eventful weekend this weekend. A lot of nothing burgers for the most part. Washington gets a scare from the Beavers, but ultimately comes out victorious. Oregon right now is just absolutely rolling. Uh, they roll yet again over a very bad Arizona State team, but nonetheless, they roll. USC looks like they're terrible. Um, and then in the SEC, it's Cupcake Week. Mine is Georgia playing Tennessee, which Cupcake Week. Uh, Tennessee, just I'm joking. Uh, Georgia has completely come into form. They're a rolling ball of butcher knives. And now the playoffs shape up to be extremely interesting. Happy rivalry week officially. I'm not going to bring up the fact that Chad's Gators lost. I'm not going to do that. If I if 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 I w- wanted to be a, a jerk, I would bring up the fact that they gave up a fourth and 17 and they didn't cover the one guy on the field that they should have known where he was at all times and probably had him double covered on that one play. I'm, I would I would do that if I was a bad friend, but I'm not going to do that. Can we say let's say one thing about Florida. Florida played really hard in that game, number one. Florida good. Florida as a team this week deserves us talking about this game more than this game should probably be talked about, which means we're going to talk about that, this game a lot. And we should because Florida was about four seconds away from this being the biggest upset of the weekend. And it would have been a huge upset, too. I mean, what is Missouri ranked right now? Are they nine? They were number nine. Number nine. And... It- and they and and Florida had them like Florida had them fourth and set fourth and seventeen with like what thirty seconds left. Yeah, you gotta put your faith in the the best wide receiver in college football, Luther Burden. But and if there's anything that you could say about Florida, it's culture's fixed. The culture's there, man. I mean they it's they fixed. don't quit. They're young. They play tough. They played physically this weekend. And I remember like when Mizzou played Georgia, and I know you can't do the transitive property often in 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 college football, but when Mizzou played Georgia, Missouri was actually extremely physical in that game, and there was a lot of people, uh, at least like that that I had and stuff that I read on Twitter, including some Georgia like beat writers. I know uh, Roddy Nabulsi and uh, Mike Griffith for the AJC both said like if you took the uniforms off of Missouri and Georgia, you wouldn't have known who was who based on physicality. And Florida came in and played with that same exact physicality against Missouri and really had them, had them beat. And, you know, so, uh, Chad, I know it's been kind of a, a lost season at this point, but on things like that, you, you hate to be in the moral victory area. That's where we are, though. But you, that's where you are as a program, and, and I think that Billy Napier is, is deserving of having some, uh, some, some love for, for what happened on Saturday night, even though you didn't win. Look, I think if you I think if you take the five game losing streak, no, four game losing streak and look at it as a whole, I think you could easily sit there and go three of those games are winnable, including LSU. Because that's another game that we went down, we did not go away. Arkansas there was no excuse for losing that game. That game was won. Um a young defense allowed the, one of the best receivers in the country, if not the best receiver in the country, to get behind him on fourth and 17 with a first-year defensive coordinator who is Matt's age. Oh, he's been really good this year, too. He has. He's been, like, uh, he overall, has. Florida's defense has been good. He has. But at this point in the year, the injuries have depleted us, and my God, if we didn't just lose another one in Graham Mertz, like, what else can go wrong kind of thing? 
Um, but I don't know. If, I want your guys' opinion on this after I'm done talking. But Max Brown looked good. Max Brown came in and played really, really tough. And he added an element to the offense with his ability to run and use his legs. And he was pretty solid passing. Um, with a little bit of times that they gave him the ball. Look, uh, Trevor Etienne, that dude's a baller. He doesn't quit. Um, the number one, my number one takeaway is this about Florida and in this season. Other than Georgia and Kentucky, we have not been blown out all year. Our kids have fought. They're very young. We have a very, very low. I said this last week, a very, very large percentage of freshmen taking snaps. And that's only good for the future. We lost three commits this week. But in reality, by losing three commits, we're still fifth. And the two teams that passed us were Florida State and Alabama, which I thought Alabama would eventually pass us anyway. But I don't, th I don't think that it's pretty much inevitable, I think, at this point that we're going to finish outside the top eight. Or excuse me, we can't finish outside the top eight is what I'm, what I'm trying to say. I don't see, because we'll get some commits back. We will. I mean, and the word was that there were four, we were going to lose about four anyway, and three of the four, three who left were three of the four in the conversation that guys were concerned about losing. The number one thing that I that I think I can take away from this, and even through this rough stretch, because when we were sitting at five and two, I looked at our schedule and really thought to myself, like, there's eight and four in here somewhere. Like, all you got to do is go three and two down the stretch. I thought Arkansas, uh, Florida State, and Missouri were winnable games. You chalk up the losses to Georgia and LSU, and you're looking good. And there was even moments Saturday night where I was like, oh, my God, we've got it. We've got it. We've got it. We've got it. We're going to go. What if we, like, could you imagine the turnaround with this roller coaster of a season if we win this game and then we win next week and win the bowl game? We're eight and five, and, everybody, and everybody's quiet. And it all settles down. That's not what happened because of a very young, depleted, injury-laden defense. Um, but overall, man, I guess the biggest takeaways that I can, that I can say is the culture is fixed. Because Dan Mullen's team in 2021, when things went sideways, we saw what happened. That has not happened this year. I think Billy Napier has gutted the locker room of everybody who was under that Dan Mullen toxic culture and gotten his guys in place. I think the kids are bought in. And I think we'll come out and shine this week. I really do. We're going to pick that game later, but I feel good about that game. I can say this, and Billy Napier said this in his press conference today. Because someone asked him, you know, does five and six reflect the record of how this team has played all year? And his response, I thought, was perfect. We're a young, inexperienced team who make a lot of mistakes, who's depleted with injuries, and I'm not making excuses. But I feel like we've been in every game, and we can win every week, but there's a very good chance that we can lose every week. And that's how it's been. But this team fights. A lot of young guys getting valuable reps. And I'm telling you, they're bought in. And it gives me a lot of hope for next year, regardless of how this finishes. If we miss a bowl game and we lose next week, yeah, it's going to suck. But, I mean, the buy-in is there. And the talent's on the way. And I really need the people in Gainesville to shut the front door and let this man have his time. Because I think we're going to be fine. I believe in Billy Napier. But back to what I was saying, what did you guys think about Max Brown? So, I thought Max Brown was doing what he was making the most out of an opportunity that was given to him that shouldn't have been there, 
And really to me, and, and y'all tell me if you disagree with this statement, but guys like him, when they come into an oppor- into a game like that, knowing that DJ Lagway is a guy that is is high on the recruiting board and he's I think he's a top three quarterback in the country for next year's class, and you know he's gonna be coming in. Max Brown is not only auditioning for a start for Florida next year, but he's also auditioning for every other school in the country that's going to need a quarterback. And that is what the transfer portal element has kind of created where like Jackson Dart, a lot of people forget this Jackson Dart, whenever he went to Ole Miss, everyone was touting him as this like highly, highly regarded kid from USC. He played in four games at USC and that was it. And that those four games at USC showed promise, but like that was, that was all that he really did. Um, so, so kids nowadays, whenever they go into games where they're having opportunities, they're not just playing for, I want to impress the home fans. I thought Max Brown ran really hard. I thought he ran with very aggressively and in a lot of ways, not that Graham Mertz isn't mobile, but he added an element of the, of the offense that created opportunities that gave Missouri problems they weren't expected for because that, uh, that RPO on third down when he pulled the ball. Exactly. Like that, like that was, that's something that, that Florida's offense doesn't have with Graham Mertz. It's as effective as that. So when you add that, and that should give Florida fans a lot of hope too. If you get, when, when you do have Max Brown and DJ Lagway that are going to be coming in and competing for that starting position, both guys who you know are going to be mobile and able to run more RPO stuff. And when Billy Napier starts getting that side of his offense developed, watch out because that's where Florida's going to win a lot of games. And I feel like you've seen, not that Graham Mertz has been bad at all by, by any means this year. He's I think been he's way he's, better than we all thought. Billy Napier has tapped into and gotten the most out of Graham Mertz's potential this year. But he, he's, this is going to sound bad, but he's still just Graham Mertz. Like there's only so much there in the tank that you can get out of him. And you've seen Billy Napier kind of manage the offense in that way. The tennis, going back to the Tennessee game, it was get a big lead and then don't screw it up. There was no faith in putting the gas on the pedal and really putting the, the foot in the, on the throat and, and ending it. And I feel like with a Max Brown type of kid, now now Max Brown's got a big test again, again ahead of him this weekend too because uh, Graham Mertz is out with the, the collarbone fracture. So he's done uh, for the year. So while, yes... Uh, Florida State is going to be a challenge uh, because they they have a, a starting quarterback that's out. Same with Florida and and Florida State's defense is is fast, physical, and they play a good brand of football over there in, in Tallahassee. So that should be a really good, interesting game now. And uh, you know, but but that's where I stand on Max Brown. I think it was an audition for not just Florida, but for every team in the country that's going to be looking for a starting quarterback next year. Yeah, I actually completely agree with pretty much everything Matt said. I think, like, Graham Mertz is Graham Mertz, like Matt's right, but Graham Mertz has also shown this year that Graham Mertz can be that five-star Graham Mertz that he was coming out of high school. So I think you lose that ability. You can tell Max Brown, he's a good passer. I don't think he's a Graham Mertz type of passer. So I think you lose a little bit of that going into this Florida State game, which makes me still think losing Graham Mertz that – you know, Florida might not have a huge advantage uh, coming in with a backup quarterback, even though Florida State completely loses that athletic quarterback ability because Tate, what, Tate Rodemaker, he's not really Rodemaker. very, he's not athletic at all. He's a pocket passer. 
he uh, he's not a bad thrower. I've seen him play a couple times this year when uh, Travis has gone down. He's not great. He looked pretty good against North Alabama, but I mean, who doesn't look good against North Alabama? So I, I don't know, man. It's going to be interesting. Next week's going to be a tall, uh, uh, tall task for Florida, but they need that one to make a bowl game, and Florida State needs that one to go to the playoff. So that'll be a fun game to watch. You know, for all the talk about people who have been on Billy Napier all year long, there's another coach out there who just turned the heat up on himself the past week. What is, what is it I said last week about that team from Las Cruces? <laughs> Man. Man. <laughs> what is it about those? What about is that that little border town? What state is that? What what university is that? That would be the New Mexico State, the Lobos. That's the Aggies, Aggies. bro. Aggies. Oh. That's New Mexico Lobos. The Lobos, that's right. Great and mad. Matt has a concussion. If my buddy, if my, yeah, he actually, honestly, if my buddy Joey didn't play there, I probably would have thought they were the Lobos too. So, but I know no, New it, Mexico. I know it's the Aggies. I actually know that Matt that Matt is fully concussed because Matt looked at me with the biggest smile of confidence and went. The Lobos. <laughs> I saw that. I saw the smile, too. Uh, for the record, for the record, Matt actually does have a concussion. I am actually concussed. Matt um, actually has a concussion. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> Go ahead, Wit. I was going to say, should we bring up the fact that Matt was in a horrible car wreck and I have COVID right now? Oh. We're, we're, I was going to bring that up in the uh, in, in the poor one out, cut him off. <laughs> poor one out for life, because I still have it. Yeah, y'all y'all, y'all recognize during this show that Matt is doing this with a concussion and bruises across his body. He actually is. And I am doing it um, with what feels like is. an apple stuck in my throat for the last five days in COVID, which is far far less impressive than what Matt's doing. But uh, I'm healthy. Yeah. So and I just have to say this. Once. I think I could have coached Auburn better than Hugh Freeze on Saturday, though, and I was I was hurt on Saturday. Hugh Freeze they didn't make it to the red zone. That they lost that game on purpose. I fully believe that. That was I, a sacrifice. Honestly, uh, Welcome to the Hugh but, Freeze experience. But see, th- th- this is what I was talking about at the beginning of the year when we were doing our preseason prediction. There's one game on the schedule every year that you can count on a Hugh Freeze team not showing up for, and there's one game a year where the black magic is going to strike. And up until the last two weeks, we hadn't had the game that they should have won that they lost, and we haven't had the game that they should have lost that they won, which has me completely freaked out for this upcoming Saturday uh, in a black magic voodoo Indian burial ground known as Jordan Air Stadium. I'm, I do not – I don't feel good about this upcoming weekend uh, because they did lose to New Mexico State, and it wasn't, it wasn't even like it was like a – Wow. They were like, destroyed. Like Michigan losing to App State with a block field goal at the end of the game. Like, no, you they got their 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 they got their turds pumped in, man. Their what? <laughs> turds. <laughs> they got, Ew, uh, gross. Okay. Number one, gross. Number two, uh, uh, Matt, I don't think you have anything to worry about. Pumped in. I think Arkansas Auburn, I need, Auburn I need Auburn beating Arkansas forty eight to ten, I think was their this is not a game you're supposed to win, especially by this much game in Arkansas. I don't even think so. I don't, I don't think know. so. I don't know. See, Auburn, I don't even Auburn think was that. bad this year. They played some teams tough. They played yeah, all this so stuff. Has and they played us tough. So has Arkansas. Exactly. That's what I'm if saying. Anything, if anything, you would think that, like, if anything, you would have thought that they'd have beat Georgia and then they would have lost Arkansas. Like, that's the Hugh Freeze experience, but not, not like this. 
I, I didn't see New Mexico State. I mean, I said it last week. Look, New Mexico State is having a ridiculous two-year run under Jerry Kill that is unprecedented at New Mexico State. They've already clinched back-to-back winning seasons. They're going to back-to-back bowl games. They're going to a conference championship game. These guys weren't even in a conference last year. In their first year in Conference USA, they're there. But it still doesn't make it an excuse. Like, this is New Mexico State University. I think they, what was it? They paid $1.2 million. $1.85. Oh, one point, oh, even better. $1.85 million to catch an L at home to the Aggies. Alabama paid Chattanooga. 600000 600000 and hung 66. And could have been more, but Ty Simpson, you know. <laughs> but, hey, you know what? Shout out. Shout out to the Tide. Good, good win. Cupcake, whatever. Georgia, Tennessee. Uh, I'm, I'm done dancing on Hugh's grave because that's bad jujus for this week. Um, but I, it had to be brought up because it was funny. Um, <laughs> Georgia, Tennessee. Now, quite frankly, kind of saw this coming. I saw this coming. And I think we all saw it coming. We did. What I did not see coming about six weeks ago was that Carson Beck deserves to be in that conversation for a Heisman spot. And I say that with all due respect because dude, people, people were undervaluing him. And, and looking back, I feel proud of myself for saying this. Ole Miss was his arrival. The Ole Miss was I've arrived. And now he's just showing everybody that it's not a fluke. It's not Brock Bowers. Now it does help that he's surrounded by NFL talent all over the place. And, but Carson Beck, what, what a game. I think he was 25 of 30 for over 300 yards, three touchdowns. I think the most impressive thing about him to me, and I saw this multiple times in the game this week, he makes his read, he has his window, and he gets the ball out like that. He does not waste time. He threw Brock Bowers a pass on a little five and out, and it was in his face when he turned around. But it, and it was like triple coverage. There was, oh, there was, there was like a tight window. It was, it was a very tight window. There was three Tennessee defenders. He had one spot to fit it in, and he zipped he's, it right in. He's so decisive. It's impressive. Like, he is good, dude. I didn't like – I had my doubts about him going into the year, but it wasn't like doubts of his ability. It was I've never, I've never really seen Carson Beck like in this yeah. situation. I just wanted to see him in the situation. Like now that we've seen him, it's like exactly like Matt said. Florida was the breakout game. Ole Miss was the arrival, and everything since has just been my wiener is bigger than yours. And and I want to get Wits' take on this, but I, in my opinion, he is the most talented quarterback, arm talent wise, like NFL ready, NFL ability quarterback to come out of Georgia since Matthew Stafford. Oh, absolutely, hundred yes. percent. I mean. Aaron Murray, great quarterback. I mean, you could even say Aaron Murray was the best quarterback to ever play at Georgia, just completely based on stats and winning alone. Um, and then Stetson Bennett obviously did what he did. But if you look at Carson Beck, he's a better passer than Stetson. Even at Stetson's best last year, he's still better. He has a stronger arm. He can fit it into tight windows. He's more accurate. He's, I think he's a little bit more of a gunslinger. He throws a couple throws a game, like probably four or five, that you're kind of like, yeah, you know, could do without those, could be a little bit safer. But at the same time, you want him to make those throws and have the confidence to make those throws. So, yes, I completely agree with you. And I have a stat for you guys about Carson Beck since we're talking about him. So Carson Beck on third down and seven or more this season. 
27 completions on 38 attempts, 71% passing, 366 yards, 9.5 yards per attempt, three touchdowns, one interception, 30 rushing yards, and one fumble. So he's got two turnovers on the whole season and is averaging almost 10 yards an attempt on third and seven. That's that's pretty impressive for a first year starter. That's absurd. That's absurd yeah. for for a first year starter. And oh yeah, everybody everybody who was ragging Mike Bobo early on in the year ought to rethink that take oh. right now. I, I as a non Georgia fan, I feel like Georgia fans should not be allowed to relish in the fact of how good that offense has been this year because of their hate towards Mike Bobo. Yes, even whenever it was unwarranted in the season, like in the Auburn game, Carson Beck made some bad throws. Like he missed throws that were there. But that was his first ever real test. Like if you look at if you look at the way that Georgia's schedule played out, like it was I don't even remember who they opened with. UT Martin. Martin. And then they had UAB somewhere Ball in there. Ball State, Ball State, South Carolina, UAB. And the, those and are, then those are good so teams, your man. first first real test on the road is at Auburn. And and this is not me this is not me dragging Georgia's schedule. It's me saying that schedule gave Carson Beck the ability to grow into you're not a freshman. I think somebody said several years ago that I talked to that played college football. Uh, they said after week seven, you're not a freshman anymore or a first year starter anymore. Mm-hmm. So he had seven weeks to go through a lot of games that he didn't really have to fight through and kind of figure out what what was going on in games that they, Georgia was going to easily win before you got into the the dogfight games. And now he's rolling, man. He, he's He's got the confidence, and it's scary. He is, man. And I, I was telling Georgia fans all offseason, beginning of the year when the offense kind of struggled, it was never Mike Bobo's fault. The plays were there against UT Martin. The plays were there against Ball State. Carson Beck just wasn't making the throws. And then he finally started settling down and getting that confidence and getting the chemistry with the receivers, and it's been lights out since then. So he's been really good. I told everybody, the, the Mike Bobo that everybody complained about from back in the day, it was going to be completely different nowadays. Considering he got to be an analyst for Todd Munkin last year, he saw what worked in the and Georgia a head offense. Coach. Yeah, and he was—I mean—he's been a head coach before. He's seen what works in the SEC. He's worked at South Carolina. He's worked at Auburn since then. Like he knows what needs to happen. If anything, to be honest with you guys, I think he's been better this year than Todd Munkin. He's definitely been more creative. Yes. So. Yes. Yes, he has. Yes, he has. I was when you also have number one receiver in the country, Rara Thomas. <laughs> <laughs> right. Top transfer. That's right. Top transfer in the country. Top transfer, rah rah Thomas. He was actually hurt this yes. game. And so was Lad McConkey. And he did not play. I saw in, that. In, in all honesty, I think one of the best things that ever happened for Carson Beck was getting Lad McConkey back fully healthy. Because Lad was out early in the year. Mm-hmm. And like Lad McConkey is what we all would think of is like that's Bill Belichick's favorite player right there. Like oh, yeah. he, yes. he's gonna be Bill a Belichick. Bill, Bill Belichick looks at Lad McConkey and he goes, "Oh my God, I can't wait to use you on third and five on a slant to let you get obliterated over the middle." But we're gonna get a first down. You think Mac Jones is gonna get him the ball? No, oh, Mac Jones is not gonna be a Patriot next year. I don't want to talk about that. <laughs> yeah, he's, this is his last year as a starter. Uh, finishing up on Mike Bobo though, really quickly. I think it's got to be between him and Tommy Reese for assistant coach of the year. What's what's that? Is the Broyles Award? Yeah. Yeah, it's got to be those Kevin, two. Kevin Steele, man. Throw him in there, too. Kevin, Kevin Steele. Steele. The Alabama defense has had a complete rebrand this year. Um, 
assistant coaches of the year, those those three are in the conversation. And as far as coach of the year goes, I have my opinion, but I don't think I think I think it's got I, I think coach of the year in the SEC is two guys. It's either Eli Drinkwitz or, or Lane Kiffin. It's Eli Drinkwitz. I mean, it, it's going to be yes, it's Eli Drinkwitz. But I don't. I wouldn't. I wouldn't make him national coach of the year. No, but I'm I'm saying like for SEC purposes. For SEC purposes, yes. Those are my two. Those are my two. I would say SEC coach of the year is Eli Drinkwitz. It's it's got to be at this point, um, unless they somehow lose to Arkansas and you never know that that's a, usually a good Black Friday game. Yeah. Always think, a Black Friday. I think tradition. even then it's Eli Drinkwitz. I mean, I don't know anybody that's even. Yeah. I mean, Lane maybe with the. That's two, what I'm saying. Those are the two. Season, those are the yeah. two because only, only, but only because if, if you if, can't give if, it to Saban and Smart, because then it's just no. like okay. Well, well, I mean, it, they should name it the Nick Saban Coach of the Year Award, yeah, or the and then it, and, uh, I mean, it, if as many years, and then now, right now Kirby would win it every single year. Um, but. The reason I say Kiffin is it like preseason. If you looked at Ole Miss, you were thinking seven and five, maybe eight and four, and then they go ten and two. And you know, you could the, the same thing with Missouri. Um, yeah, I, that's what I'm saying. If they win yeah. ten and two, um, and and if and quite frankly, I'll, I'll be the one that comes out and says it. If they lose to Mississippi State, nine and three is disappointing. If you're Ole Miss, it is. I mean, it when you're staring ten and two in the face. And you lose to a really, really bad Mississippi State team to become nine and three. That that is that's that, that would be incredibly disappointing. Now it wouldn't be surprising because it's the Egg Bowl. It's the Egg Bowl, yeah. But but it would be incredibly disappointing. Uh, just like the same thing for for Mizzou. If if Eli Drinkwitz, if you give them the opportunity to be nine and two going into Arkansas, I think he takes that all day long. Uh, I don't think anyone pegged Arkansas to be as bad as they are this year, but. Uh, Sam Pittman got the faith of confidence from uh, Hunter Urichek. All oh, the old so, dreaded faith of confidence. So, so, you, 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 That's you, never good. It, no, but it, but it's but it's also like I mean it's it's, it's stability. It, it it's it's hey we wanted Gus Malzahn. The money people wanted Gus Malzahn. We called Gus Malzahn. Gus Malzahn said no. I'm good. I'm getting rid of the two biggest teams in my conference next year, and I'm starting to be pretty good, and I'm competing with a lot of teams in my conference right now. I probably have a better chance of winning the Big 12 than going into the SEC well, and winning at Arkansas. Let's say, too, yes. Gus Malzahn is still living off that $25 million buyout he got from Auburn and getting to live in Orlando, Florida. Realistically, Gus Malzahn is on vacation. Yes, this is his vacation job. As he... Tom Herman is also in a, a vacation job. Lane Kiffin had one at one yeah, point. Yeah, but Tom, Tom Herman, well, never mind. Lane Kiffin didn't have the vacation vacation job, though. No. Like, his buyout wasn't substantial enough to survive on, especially after those California taxes he had to pay on it. That's true. But moving on to our pour one out, cut them off segment for this week. Wit, let's get it going. There's only one person that I can uh, pour one out for this week, and that is my boy, Joey Connors, special teams coordinator for New Mexico State Aggies. Officially 2-0 and against the Auburn Tigers while being a part of a Group of Five program. Uh, Joey, as many of you know, was the defensive tackle for uh, UCF when uh, Scott Frost was there and they won the quote-unquote national championship in 2017 uh, by beating the Auburn Tigers in the Peach Bowl. He was a part of that team. Uh, he was a part of the team the next year when he knocked Joe Burrow on his ass and turned him into the Heisman Trophy winner that he is now. Uh, and now he just pulled off one of the greatest upsets in SEC history. 
by beating the Auburn Tigers in Jordan Hare Stadium, thirty-one to zero or thirty-one to ten, actually. And also, I found this out today when I talked to Danny this morning. Apparently, on that fourth down call when they went for it on fourth down, Jerry Kill told Joey, he said, "Do not, we're not going for it here. We cannot go for it. We're we're playing them too well. We're beating them on the ball." This this is not a good time to go for it on fourth down, and Joey said, "I've been look, I've been watching them all game. I know, I know that we got this. I want to, I want to do it." And Jerry Kill said, "Your ass is on the line if you call this play," and he called it, and they went for it, and they fucking got it. So, pour one out for Joey for that too. Shows some balls, makes you look good in front of your coaching staff. Big big shout out. That's pretty badass. Uh, and that's like BDE right there. BDE, yeah, absolutely. And uh, I'm going to be cutting off COVID because I have it, and uh, it's not been fun. Uh, I've been stuck inside for many days. I actually got outside today and drove around and did a little bit of my actual job instead of just trying to work from home. And uh, it's um, it's not fun. The new strain has a severe, severe uh, throat pain, and uh, it's, it's not enjoyable. So cutting off COVID. Uh, go back into your hole, you stupid asshole. Matt, you pour one out for. Pour one out for health and life, and uh, you know all that other hippie stuff. But nah, for real. Uh, like we had said earlier, I was involved in a pretty nasty car crash. I got hit by a semi on Tuesday night, and it, uh, it was on the news. Lived to tell the story. It was on the news. It was on the news. It was bad. It was on the news. Uh, my truck burnt to a pulp. Uh, with. All I got out of it was my personal phone <laughs> and myself. So uh, all kind of stuff got burnt to a crisp. But uh, shout out to life. And uh, I got to give a shout out to the guy that helped me get out of my truck. I was like, going to say, pull one out for the semi driver. The the guy that was, he was two, two semis ahead of, of me. I got hit from behind, stopped in, in the middle of I-16, which... Anytime that happens, it's never a good sign because there was an accident ahead, which is why we were all stopping. Um, so the way that it all played out, there was a semi-driver that ended up coming over and it opened my passenger door. I couldn't open my driver's side door. I found out that the the container for the semi was laying on my, my driver's side of my truck door, so I couldn't open it. A guy came over, opened up the passenger side door for me, helped me get out right before my uh, truck went into... A full blaze. So uh, I got to pour one out for that guy and pour one out for, for life in general because uh, college football hit different. Cupcake week became much more appreciated with just the fact that I got to see it. <laughs> and and I wasn't looking above Bryant Denny from 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 the, the, the above the nosebleeds, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, man. So shout out to that. Uh, and this week I am going to be cutting off. Quite frankly, just the fact that there is a cupcake week. I mean, I, I think that I know that there's a lot of people out there who are advocating for a nine game SEC schedule because this is is, uh, you know, cupcake week. However, it serves a great purpose because this weekend was also my anniversary. Shout out to my wife and pour one out for the anniversary. Uh, but cupcake week at the same time, like there was nothing really exciting until seven o'clock on Saturday, like the three thirty game. Miami Louisville was good. That it was, was a, good, that was a but good I, game. It was a good game, but I wasn't like 
I've got to be sitting in front of my TV at 3.30 for the Miami-Louisville game. SMU-Memphis was good. Again, I say, there was nothing that had me chomping at the bit to stay in front of my TV for, for four hours. Uh, as much as I love having that weekend, knowing that it's going to be Cupcake Week, I also hate Cupcake Week. I'm going to say it. It's it's it, it, it It's... The waste of one of our twelve weeks or thirteen, really twelve weeks, where you get to sit down and watch your team play, but it's it's a waste of one of those weeks where you're just like, I've been on an emotional high roller coaster for the past, you know, really the past five six weeks because you've been in the brunt of that schedule and now it's just oh yeah all right cool we're playing Chattanooga we're playing Chattanooga at noon all right sweet uh let's see who Ole Miss has got oh well two win ULM and Terry Bowden coming into coming into Oxford can't wait. That's what I'm. I'm cutting off Cupcake Week. So, Chad, what you pouring out? Uh, pouring out for two things. One, pouring one out for Graham Mertz very quickly. Um, I know we kind of briefly touched on it. That guy has been, even in a five and six season in which Matt phrased it earlier, kind of a lost season where we're looking for moral victories. That kid has been really good. He's thrown three interceptions this year, including one this week, all of which have been deflected. Graham Mertz has not thrown a single interception that was not deflected and he's only thrown three yeah so they weren't really his fault um look he's played great he's been a leader the one thing that i can say about graham mertz is that he has not made stupid decisions billy napier has put graham mertz in a position to make smart passes and graham mertz makes smart passes he does not force the ball he has been so much more than i ever could have imagined when we got him I thought we were going to get Grayson McCall before the season started, and I was 100% convinced that like Grayson McCall was going to come in and it was going to be great. We're going to have McCall. And then it kind of ended where we got Graham Mertz, and I was like, ah, really? I mean, I know he was a five-star and he's got more in him than he had at Wisconsin, but, I mean, he's been so much more than we could have ever asked for, truthfully. Um, to pour one out for him, you know, he, word is he's coming back next year, so – Looking forward to that. I think it'll be good for Max Brown and Lagway to sit behind him and get some more, get some more valuable time spent with him. Rest up and get well soon. Also, pour one out for the holidays because we it is Monday, November 20th, 2023, the year of our Lord. We're three days away from Thanksgiving. Gotta love Thanksgiving, man. Spending time with the family, eating turkey, um, feeling like miserable. And then you got to go and spend all your money on Christmas presents. And then it'll officially be Christmas season because I don't start celebrating Christmas until Black Friday. Uh, so, yeah, officially getting into the holiday season. I do not say happy holidays. I say Merry Christmas because that's what it is. It's Merry Christmas. So pour one out for Thanksgiving and family time. And I had some family time this weekend up at the lake, took a winter lake trip, and it was cold in Lincolnton, Georgia, Saturday night. All the wind coming off that lake. Very, very chilly. I'm supporting one out for that. And I'm cutting off UCLA. And they won this week. But the word is, is that Chip Kelly is gone. And here's what I'll say to that. We talk about Mississippi State all the time on this show and how they have an overinflated view of who they are. And my question is, for a guy that is now one game over 500, he is 34 and 33 at UCLA now. 
and he's been there for how many years? Is year five, year six? Is year five, but he took over a dumpster fire. He took over a dumpster fire, and he had a COVID year in there. Yep. And he had a much better year last year. And he lost DTR, but he got a huge recruit to flip from Oregon. And he's got a lot of playing time as a starting freshman, so you're going to have your bumps and bruises there. I don't understand what UCLA like. I don't. I, I don't know who UCLA thinks they are. I really don't. I, I think UCLA very much is just like Mississippi State in Los Angeles. Like they play little brother to USC, and they have this overinflated view of well, we got to keep up. We're UCLA. I don't see it. Never in our lifetime, other than maybe a season or two, not that I can remember, and y'all can tell me if I'm wrong, has UCLA ever really been in the national prevalent conversation of relevancy for a national championship? I don't remember UCLA ever even winning the Pac-12 or even playing for a Pac-12 championship. Not even when they were the Pac-10. I think there might have been one year where the USC-UCLA game was for the Pac-10 that side of the Pac-10 championship. They were pretty good yeah. when that Miles that, Jack was there. That's the only time I remember them being good. That and when and, and Jim Mora when he first went there. Jim, Jim Mora Jim Mora Jr. had kind of gotten yeah. them to a point where they were relevant. But I mean in our but, in our lifetime, you're talking about Jim Mora, Arl Durrell, who just got fired from Colorado, and now Chip Kelly. I can't name. Uh, that's the only three UCLA coaches I can name. UCLA is hanging on to their success from the 1920s and the 30s <laughs> and the 40s. No, seriously. Yeah. I'm being serious. Like they, they view themselves like, oh, yeah, we should still be winning. And we're UCLA. And like, who doesn't want to come to Los Angeles? And I don't. And well, yeah, like, okay, you're going to give me a million in NIL. Well, I'm only going to see 500,000 of it because of taxes. Yeah. And well, where I could go to UT or A and M or Florida or Florida State, they don't have they don't have no income taxes there. I get that for free. Yeah. So yeah, I don't know. I, I the only thing that I could say is that UCLA looks at that transition into the Big Ten and says we got to get more fiscal. We got to get a lot. We we can't play Chip Kelly football in the Big Ten, mm-hmm. which should not be the Big Ten. Should be the Big Twelve now, and now the Big Sixteen. But that's a conversation for another day. I, I, I'm, it's, you brought up the holidays. It's time. I'm starting to make my list of the airing of grievances for Festivus. <laughs> for okay. Festivus. For Festivus. Get the poll. I'm. I'm. I'm Get the st- poll. You, you just let me know when you're ready, and I've got the. I've got the list of grievances ready to roll. I got a lot of problems with you people. I lost my train of thought. Who's going to participate in the feats of strength? Me, I'm concussed. <laughs> what in the world? Yeah, seriously, I'm cutting off UCLA. I, I just, I feel like UCLA and Mississippi State go hand in hand with a completely overinflated view of themselves. And I agree with Matt. Like, if at if, least one of them's won before. Yeah, you like, I just, I don't know, man. Like, uh, maybe, uh, maybe Matt's right. They want to play. They don't want to play Chip Kelly ball in the Big Ten. I can see that. Maybe go get somebody more physical. I just yeah. who's chomping at the bit for the UCLA job? That's what I'm saying. Like, are they just gonna be like, oh, we're gonna we're gonna pay ten million dollars? Like, oh, you're gonna pay Lincoln Rally money for a guy to come in and do what Lincoln Rally's doing and go seven and five? Yeah, I agree with Dan Mullen. I agree with Dan Mullen's tweet um, that wrong he coach in LA is wrong. Coach in LA is on the hot seat, and I don't agree with Dan Mullen often. But yeah, anyway, I'm cutting off UCLA once again. I just feel like the Bruins have a overinflated view of. 
where they are as a football program, and I don't necessarily know if I truly understand that. Thank you guys so much for tuning in to Rowdy Southern Saturday. If you enjoyed the episode, please give us a five-star rating on Spotify and Apple Music and follow our social media at RowdyPod on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next time. Hey.